Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. We're gonna stay standing for a little bit because we're gonna read this word and we're gonna unpack it, but the gospel of grace, this is a layup for me. I was, I was studying gospel. It's not only the good news, it's the too good to be true news. And I wanna unpack it in these two verses, Acts 20 to 24, if you have a Bible, bonus points if it's physical, but I got the big sky Bible in the back. Sorry, there is no shame. Come on, there is no condemnation in the house of God. Acts 20 to 24, it says this, by my life, this is Paul, is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I love that. I want you to go to Romans, not too far, 1, 16 through 17, and this is what we're gonna anchor on right here. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ because it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Somebody say believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. That is the gospel summarized right there. It is so poetic what Paul does, that it is basically God, not your pastor, not your leader, not your works. There's nothing that you could do to earn this or deserve this. It is by God that makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. How powerful, how potent is the gospel of grace that it would compel Paul to say, I am worth nothing unless I accomplish the assignment that God has for me. How powerful and potent is this gospel of grace that there is nothing that you could do to earn it or deserve it. It is the unmerited grace. It is a gift from God. And as I was meditating on the gospel of grace, it seems so simple, right? Why don't we just receive it? If it's free, if it's free 99, like why wouldn't I just take that thing? But the enemy has a specific plan to try to stop you and stall you from the things that God has for you, and it's called shame. That is one of the tactics of the enemy. Since the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, as soon as they realized I'm naked, shame filled their life. And my question for us today as we tackle this sermon, the gospel of grace, is this. How do we fully receive the gospel of grace if we are constantly stuck in the cycle of shame? How do we receive this grace if, if shame is still in my life, and I wanna unpack the word around that and, and find freedom in the house, but let's pray one more time. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to break the shackles of shame. I thank you for the opportunity that you, in one moment, can see a life transformed. So I pray right now, no matter if somebody just gave their life to you two weeks ago or been walking with you for over 20 years, I pray that you would make this word so specific because none of us are immune to the attacks of shame, to the cycles of shame that keep us locked up, stagnant. So we pray right now, freedom in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. 
Amen, amen. Come on, give God some glory one more time. I want you to elbow bump seven people. Let them know there ain't no shame in the game. There ain't no shame in my game. There ain't no shame in the game. Do not be ashamed of the good news. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Come on. How, how many people have heard that statement actually before? No shame in the game. Can I get a poll really quick? There ain't no shame in the game. About half of us, so I got to educate you because this term, no shame in the game, is specifically, you know, uh, designed for Asian grandmas. I ain't hating. I'm Asian. I am one, and I have an Asian grandma. And before you cancel me, I love my grandma. I love my Filipino grandma. I love both of them. And, uh, and you know, Asian grandmas, they have the distinct ability to never pay full price for anything. See, I was thinking about all the different, because Paul says, don't be ashamed. And so I've been thinking about the different levels of shame, right? And when I think about my Asian grandma, the, the level of shame there for me is called secondhand shame. Yes. Oh, you don't know secondhand shame. It's the level of shame that you didn't do anything directly, but who you're associated with did something so embarrassing that you can't help to be a little bit embarrassed yourself. That's secondhand shame. And, and my grandma, she has the unique ability to never pay full price for anything. I've been to a flea market. I've been to bazaars. I've been to garage sales. And I've seen her negotiate up to 90% off. And you might be wondering, Vance, that's normal. You're never supposed to pay full price at a garage sale. That's not what I'm trying to highlight. She takes the garage sale energy into the department store. I'm like, Grandma, you can't get 90%. This is Nordstrom's. All the Asians are just cracking up right now, just like, preach. Uh, you can tell when you're at an Asian grandma's house because you benefit from the incredible lush toiletries and the, the towels. And if you, you know, upon further investigation, realize that there's this mark on the corner that says Courtyard Marriott as you're wearing that robe. There ain't no shame in the game. I'm not going to lie, though, because... You know, some of this boldness has incredible benefits because no matter what restaurant you go to, no matter what type of restaurant you go to with my grandma, you will never be without soy sauce or Tabasco sauce because she has it readily available in her purse. There ain't no shame in the game. And when I think about secondhand shame and as I evaluate Paul saying, do not be ashamed of the gospel, that's actually not what he's talking about. Because I think about my relationship with Jesus, and as a Christian, I don't think I, I ever really, you know, get ashamed about being associated with Jesus. Jesus is incredible. Can I maybe submit to you that sometimes I'm actually more ashamed of myself not being able to live to the standard of, of Jesus? So, so Paul is not talking about secondhand shame, so then what is he talking about? I was thinking about another element of shame that I'm going to characterize as the shame of the stage. 
I remember in junior high, I was really getting into basketball and I would literally train every day. I was getting really good. Like, you can come see me. I got a basketball court at my house. Like, I was getting really, really good. And I realized in making the team that all of a sudden, my teammates would call me a practice player. What that meant was that I would shoot the lights out in practice, but when it came down to the game, I would choke. I would get locked up and I wouldn't actually perform to the level that I knew I was capable of, and I would sit in the car ride back, stuck in my shame. Yeah, thank you for the empathy. This is a little bit of therapy for me. But then I think about this type of shame, the shame of the stage. Maybe you've been invited to share something from stage before, and you didn't perform to the level. I think about this level of shame that we experience. Oftentimes, nobody is immune to this, and this is also not what Paul is talking about. Because the stages that Paul was in actually invited more shame into his life when he preached the gospel of grace. Isn't that interesting? That when people don't believe in this good news, they will actively shame you. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 says, this is Paul, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a crazy person, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned. Three times, I was shipwrecked. Once, I spent a whole night, a day adrift at sea. He was betrayed by his own people. When people don't believe in the gospel, they will actively shame you. The more and more Paul shared the gospel, the power of the gospel of grace, it didn't actually protect him from shame. It invited more people to try to attack him with shame. He explains it further in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 23. Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. The gospel can seem so good for some people, but like foolishness to others. And you might be wondering, well, Vance, as a Christian here in the Bay Area or whatever city that you're joining us in, I don't feel this constant shaming of being the Christian. Can I submit to you that the shame might not no longer be in knowing the truth, but not being accommodating of all truths. There's these different levels of shame, but that's not what Paul is talking about when he says, don't be ashamed in the gospel. Today, what Paul is talking about is is the shame of exposure. The shame of exposure. Let me illustrate this a little bit further. The shame of exposure is the realization that I didn't meet the mark, that I'm not good enough, that I don't belong. See, this past week, my wife and I had the opportunity to take our kids to Disney World, right? This is a magical experience. We went to Florida. God bless Florida. Uh, And we went over there, and it was incredible because, you know, we went for our kids, and my kids like Disney World almost as much as my wife. So it was amazing, good value for our money, good bang for our buck. And I love Disney World. I appreciate you, Disney, because many of the rides that we could go on, the whole family was involved 
invited to go on, but there are certain rides with height thresholds, you know what I mean? Where, where, where my Emmy girl, specifically, the ones that were like, you know, at least 38 inches to ride this ride, literally, we would stack up Emmy on, on that scale, and she was a hair short, like literally a hair short of 38 inches. And, you know, we're funny because we would try it over and over again as if she grew between this ride to this ride. We would, hey, don't judge me. We would tell her, hey, tippy toes, tippy toes. Stand straight back. She would do it and they wouldn't let her on. It was specifically heartbreaking this one time where Kim and Lenny didn't want to wait. They're just going to this river rafting ride and Emmy was left with me because I'm a dad just here to serve. And yeah, you know, just trying to be like Jesus. Emmy couldn't go on this ride, and so she comes back to me, and, and this was particularly heartbreaking, and everybody saw it. Everybody was, like, heartbroken with me. She drops her shoulders, hangs her head. Daddy, I'm not tall enough. Oh, my goodness. Daddy, I'm not tall enough. And I say that story because this is what shame does. They call it the walk of shame, the, the, the walk of defeat, where, where, where shame will actually let you drop your shoulders and, and hang your head. I, I didn't meet the mark. Shame is from the beginning of time. All of a sudden, after eating from the tree of knowledge that they were directed not to do, Adam and Eve, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm realizing that, that I'm naked. I, I, don't, I don't meet the mark. I don't meet the measure. And then shame fills their life. And they, they try to hide. There's another story. Maybe you know it. It's a pretty famous story about the woman in the well. The Samaritan wo woman at the well, and we find herself every single day at noontime to visit the well, hiding from society, hiding from people, because she realizes after five broken relationships that maybe I'm not wanted the shame of broken relationships. We, we have another story in the Bible, the, the woman with the issue of blood who, who also tries to isolate herself, but not to separate herself from people, but to be hidden in the crowd. Because 12 years, she's, she's facing this brokenness, and all of a sudden, she has a realization that something is drastically wrong with me, and, and this is what shame will do. Shame will cause you to isolate, to separate, to try to blend into the crowd. And maybe if I just blend into the crowd, I can still get my blessing. Shame will cause you to hide, but that's not what Jesus wants for your life. Because this is what, what Jesus does. Jesus identifies and sees you in the moment of shame but we want to hide it. That's our instinct, right? And we're not immune to it. Every, shame can attack everybody, but this is what we do. This is in society. Like, humanity wants to hide behind things. Behind LinkedIn profiles, Instagram avatars, work, sports, achievement, lust, AirPods, alcohol, Netflix, and networking. We hide behind Facebook 
profiles, distinguished degrees, amazing accolades. We hide behind our platforms, our politics, our policies. We hide behind the proverbial fig trees of life, the, the noontime isolation, the noise of the crowd in the media. Maybe I can just blend in and Jesus, please get me this blessing. That's not how God works. He calls out Adam and Eve. Who told you you were naked? He meets the woman at the well. Go and sin no more. He highlights the woman with the issue of blood so that she can get her breakthrough. When Paul says, don't be ashamed of this gospel, he's saying, don't be ashamed of being exposed. Not because Jesus wants to expose your sin, but he wants to free you from your shame. Yeah, golf cops, we'll, we'll, we'll unpack it. Because, no, honestly, because this is uncomfortable for me. This process is especially uncomfortable for me with simple, simple things like the, the genuine question of, how are you doing? We will do anything and every, especially Enneagram threes like me, anybody can relate. Like, like we will do anything. We will change our accent. We will change our tone before answering that question with honesty. How are you doing? Good. All of a sudden, it's a falsetto. Good, yeah. Everything's great. All of a sudden, you start talking in a way you never talked before. How, how are you doing? Gucci, man. Like, it's all good in the hood. Like, you... All good in the, is he okay? <laughs> I'm not saying we need to have an open mic session and, and everybody kind of shares their struggle with, with shame, but can I submit to you that I'm thankful I'm part of a real church where we can safely admit and submit to one another sometimes that, hey, I'm not doing okay. I'm not living fully free. I'm scared. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't know how to navigate this. You know what this practically looks like? Are you connected into church? Or are we just spectating a service? This is so practical. This is so helpful to just be like, what, what is my next step here at Vive? Am I part of a midweek? Am I serving? Because we've meticulously crafted every single step of that way. There is a leader or a pastor that wants to genuinely do life with you. And here's the power. When I live in community with incredible authenticity, shame starts to lose its power over me. Let me say it again, because you got to write that down. You got to catch that in your spirit. When I live in community with incredible authenticity, shame will lose its power over me. And I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to our human condition. We have the proclivity to hide. We have the instinct to hide. And can I share with you that instinct is not completely wrong. But the question is, what are you hiding in? Is it your career? Is it your education? Is it your culture? Is it your family dynamic? Because I know this, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, you have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about these things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life. And check this out, your real life is hidden 
with Christ in God. That instinct to hide, that's not all the way wrong, but what are you hiding in? I want to hide in Christ. Another way to put it, I want to hide in the gospel, that grace that God has for me. Can I give you a tool really quick that will practically help you hide in the gospel of grace? See, grace is built on, this is how I remembered it. I, I made this up so, so you can get healing if it's wrong for Pastor Kira afterwards, but I think this will help you. This is a, a three-letter tool, T-A-P, and I want you to write this down. The first tool is truth, truth. Don't hide in the lie of the enemy, but in the truth of God's word. See, what is hiding in the truth of God's word look like? It, it means to refresh, renew, and rehearse the truth of God's word in your life daily, daily, daily. I started this year, specifically 2021, reading the Bible in chronological order. Typically, I would kind of jump around, but I wanted to read it from beginning to end in chronological order, and it, I'm going so slow. I, I'm going at snail pace because, because I always get stuck on certain things, genealogical rabbit holes and phrases that I don't understand and concepts that I want to meditate on. And, and, and I pause and, and I meditate on these things. Don't read the Bible because you have to. Read it because you're hungry. Soak in the word, meditate in the word, rehearse the truth of God's word over your life so you can be hidden in his word with the purpose of wanting to reveal his word in your life. It's not about knowledge accumulation. It's about knowledge application. That is how we are hidden in the truth of God's word. Number two, active. This is a second element that grace is built on in this three Letter acronym that I have for you, T-A-P, active. Don't get stuck in the shame of the past, but realize how God is active to work it all out for his good. Don't get stuck in the shame of the past, but know he is active to take everything in your past and work it all out for good. See, Pastor Michelle said this so brilliantly last week, but mercy is not getting what you deserve and grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is what I'm saved from. Grace is what I'm saved for. That's what literally moving forward is, is all about. Mercy is exchanging my past. Grace is exchanging for my future. It's pulling me towards the future. This is active. This cannot be passive. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing on this earth to reconcile humanity to himself with this bridge called grace. I love that. That is too good to be true news. But what will keep you stuck is this topic we've been calling shame. When you're stuck in your past mistakes or your current circumstances, those are the things that are going to block you from receiving the power of grace that he has for you. And we get a tool from Jesus in Hebrews 12, 2, that says this. It's an insight. It's a key that we can actually apply to our life. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand, of the throne of God. 
I love that, that we get this picture of Jesus enduring the cross for us. How? Not being stuck in the past shame, not being stuck in his current reality, but setting his sights to the future, to the joy, to the promise that God had for him. Last week, Pastor Michelle did a beautiful illustration of, of cycling and endurance sport. She talked about, you know, lean in and, and set your sights. It was cute. It was, it was cute. From, a, from an Iron Man, I will actually give you. <laughs> it's like, Vance, you only did a half Iron Man. Well, the first time that I did it, you like when people did the first, I've only done an Iron Man once. The, the one time I did, I learned some stuff about endurance sports. But this is how it works, right? Because you go to the parking lot on Saturdays to meet with the crew before you start training. But you don't start training for at least another 30 minutes because everybody is just shooting the breeze about everybody else's bike. That's what training is. You just go to the parking lot and you talk about the cool new bike that you got. Because there's always somebody new or somebody that got a new part for their bike. And it's always centered around this. They buy these hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars of worth of materials and parts to make their bike lighter. Because every pound you can save makes a huge difference when you're biking such a long journey. Right after you swam a length of a lake or, or even after you have to run a marathon. And, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but me and my friend Mehdi were just talking about <laughs> some of this stuff. And, and we were, you know, we were caught in the conversation with people about, oh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, this is carbon fiber and, it, you know, it's super high quality, but it's light. My, my bike is light. And so one of the... Um, you know, Iron Man, like the legit ones, he was actually the leader of the pack. You know, this is the key. This is what he told us. He's like, Vance, Medi, you don't need to be caught in the conversations about who has the better bike. They're spending thousands of dollars just trying to shave one pound. I, I'm looking at you guys. You guys can lose a few pounds just... I didn't get offended because I like saving money. But, but, I, but I thought about this. I feel like in the endurance of life sometimes, we're trying to optimize our tools. We're trying to optimize our Instagram. We're trying to optimize our career. But we don't realize there's some unnecessary weight. It's called shame. That you can literally, the Bible says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for your cares. I'm talking to somebody right now that came in with some baggage of the past, some mistakes, some regrets. And we have an altar right here later that you can just cast it upon Jesus and just lose some of that weight so that you can endure, like Jesus did, this thing that we call life. Number three, T-A-P, presence. Presence. Don't seek protection in perception, but seek protection in his presence. Because God can't bless who you pretend to be. But you can expose yourself to God because he's not in it to embarrass you. He's in it to cover you. 
Psalms 91 says this, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our shadow, you are our fortress, you are our covering. He wants to cover you. Adam and Eve, he, he didn't say strip, he said, he, let me cover you with some actual proper clothing. Let me cover you, woman at the well, but just go in and sin no more and tell everybody about this powerful gospel of grace. Let me cover you, the woman with the issue of blood, but also help you get your breakthrough. He wants to, he wants to cover you. We, I think it was Pastor Kira was talking about Peter a few weeks ago. And it's so interesting because Peter did a lot of miracles, actually. But not because... He had a perception of being impressive, but because he was in proximity to Jesus. He had record-breaking catches on his boat in his net. He was called the rock in which the church, the church that we are in right now will be founded on, that will be built on. Peter walked on water, just a couple steps, but he still walked on water. But the common denominator with Peter doing miracles was the proximity to Jesus, the presence of Jesus. Because as soon as he was separated from Jesus, shame filled his life. And all of a sudden, I didn't see Peter doing as many miracles anymore. Actually, he couldn't even admit he was a follower of Jesus to a teenage girl at a bonfire because that is what shame will do. It'll lock you up. It'll keep you stagnant. It'll drop your shoulders. You'll walk in defeat. And it's not until when Jesus, after resurrection, just a couple weeks ago, what we celebrated, and he encounters Peter in the presence of Jesus Peter is in right now, that Jesus reminded him these three elements that grace is built on truth. Peter, do you love me? And then he says, then get activated. Feed my sheep and stay in my presence. So follow me. All of a sudden, that signifies this incredible trajectory that Peter would go on and preach the gospel of grace alongside incredible people like Paul till the ends of the earth. T-A-P, truth, activation, presence, we got some scholars here from Stanford. That spells tap. And that's just how I remember it. Grace on tap. Jesus got that grace on tap. The Bible says we can come boldly before the feet of Jesus. And we can say, Jesus, you got grace? You got grace on tap? I'll have some of that. And he doesn't take a credit card for the tab. He doesn't need any cash because it's on the house. It's already paid for. We learned a couple weeks ago when he died on that cross, when he died on that cross, all of your debt canceled, all of your debt done. Death is done. And that's significant, that's significant, that's significant because that means you serve a living God, an active God that has sent 
his Holy Spirit. Just sit down for a second. I'm gonna close with this. I got seven minutes left to drive this home. This really helped me this past week because I was thinking, okay, not even Jesus himself could escape the attacks of shame. The last days of ministry, we actually see this so prevalent in the life and the ministry of Jesus where the enemy put a litany, an arsenal attack on Jesus and it was called shame because in the last few days, if you read the gospels, Jesus' friends started to strip away in shaming abandonment. Jesus' reputation started to give way in shaming slander. Jesus' decency was stripped away in shaming nakedness on his way to the cross. Jesus' comfort had given way to shaming torture as he was murdered for us and our sins. But check this out, John 19, 28 through 29, this is crazy. This is what Jesus does after all of that. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, but to fulfill scripture, he said this, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I am thirsty. Such an interesting last phrase before it is finished. I am thirsty. In his humanity, because we know that Jesus wasn't only fully God, he was fully human, we realize that Jesus can get thirsty. But theologically, we understand, if you know, Psalm 69, 21, for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. He was actually fulfilling prophecy. But this is the power. Not just in his humanity, he was thirsty. Not just theologically, he was fulfilling prophecy. Isn't that interesting that the enemy will try to shame you, but God will work it together for his good to fulfill the actual plan and purpose God has for you. But that's a side note because this is the power. Spiritually, he was showing his sovereignty over every single situation and that experience and actually over your life because in the Last Supper, the reason why we take communion, he reveals something. He says to his disciples, will any of you drink the cup that I meant to, to drink? What he was alluding to is that drinking equals suffering. That's why when we take communion and we drink the, the cup that signifies his blood, we are sharing in his suffering. <laughs> this is so cool. After all that shame that tried to attack him, Jesus is on the cross, and this is what he's saying spiritually to us. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. All that shame, all that suffering, give me more. I can take it. I am God. I am thinking about every single person in this room right now as I'm on this cross and past, present, and future, any sin, any shame that you brought to the table. I'm thirsty. Give me more. I already died for it. It's on the house. I got grace on tap. It's unlimited. It's unhindered. It is extravagant. It is lavish. There is no limit to my love. I got so much grace upon grace, upon grace for you. Can we stand, can we stand, can we stand, can we stand? 
I feel like some people carried in some shame today. And we're gonna open up the altar in a second so that you can just lay down that shame and surrender that shame and have a transformative moment with Jesus where he said, I can take it. I got you. And I'm gonna exchange it. I'm gonna give you this unmerited, undeserved grace because I love you. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Lord God, I thank you for each and every person in this place right now. And under the sound of my voice, if we have people carrying baggage, if we have people carrying the sins of the past, mistakes, regret, despair, shame, I pray for freedom in this place. I pray for a great exchange right now that people would be able to respond. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.